podcast has been recorded in the Dish with One Spoon territory. We acknowledge and extend our appreciation to the Mississaugas of the Credit First Nation, the Anishinaabe, and the Haudenosaunee for sharing their land with us. We also recognize that our listeners are all over the province and on other important Indigenous lands with their own treaties and unceded territories. With a recognition that we all have obligations to those treaties and to Indigenous peoples across Canada, we encourage our listeners to learn more about the Indigenous history in the communities where they live and work. Hello and welcome to Holiday Hours, the OBA CPD podcast exclusively offered to OBA members on the go. I'm Lynn Vickers, immediate past president of the OBA, and I'm delighted to present you a special momentum-themed edition of the Holiday Hours podcast. This edition of Holiday Hours is a six-part series of interviews with Ontario lawyers who are taking some unique and important steps in finding ways to make the profession better for all of us. These interviews were originally recorded at the OBA's Momentum Summit, which took place in the early fall of 2019. The summit featured lawyers from around the world, professionals in other industries, and trailblazers right here at home who all shared their insights and gave our participants strategies they can start to implement in their own workplaces. We invited lawyer and journalist Paula Todd to interview our guests, and she did a great job in drawing out stories and examples that are sure to inspire you. With Naveen Mehta, an award-winning global diversity and inclusion strategist with CultureWorks Growth Strategies, Paula explores the role that everyone can play in advancing matters of inclusion and equality. Like all matters related to diversity, gender inequality isn't just a women's issue, it's an issue for everyone. Hear Paula and Naveen talk about how and why we can all work together to advance equality. You're going to bring a different perspective. I think you're going to be a bit tough on the world, and I want to hear it. We need to hear this. So I, I wouldn't necessarily view it as a bit tough. I view it more as a, a bit honest okay, about good. Um, the State of the Union with regard to diversity and inclusion in our great profession. And the reason why I call it our great profession is I think we have the potential to change the world, and we do, and we utilize that power in, in a variety of ways. One honest thing we'd look around, I already knew this coming into this room, I just walked in about 20 minutes ago, who comes to a Momentum Summit on gender equality? Who generally shows up at these things? The choir, right? How many dudes do we have? Put your hands up. Very few. Roy, you're an organizer. God bless you all. But if you think about that, that is also the state of our profession. If this were a summit on racial diversity, who would show up? We know who's going to show up. So we have this segmented approach to equality and equity in our profession. And we've really got to overcome all of that. What I'd like to chat about over the next uh, probably 13 minutes now is more honest conversations. But how do we actually go about building workplaces where gender equity is part of the organization at an atomic level? Not just where we come to events like this, we feel good, and we walk away and very little changes. Right? There's, in my work with law firms, there's, there's a spectrum of, of, of law firms. There's law firms who just pretend this is a non-issue. I hire the best and the brightest. They happen to all be straight, white, cisgendered men. To firms that 
understand this is a, a human resources, a human rights issue, and I want to avoid litigation. So I pretty up my website, make it all colorful. To firms that say, this is important, but I have no clue how to do it, but I'm going to continue to do it anyways because I'm a lawyer and I know everything. To firms that actually put in the resources, the time, hire experts, and build fundamental equality from the base up. You said that you would be able to talk about the nitty gritty with us. So on sometimes a daily basis, people, including the choir here, raise issues about a lack of diversity, a lack of equality, and we meet a wide range of reaction from denial to they're there. I understand you're feeling that, but it isn't reality. Can you talk to us a little bit about how all of us can talk more candidly about what is really going on in the workplace. Well, I think something that is very simple is that emotions actually matter. Emotions and how we feel matter from a day-to-day -day perspective. And how those emotions show up in a very sterile profession to a certain degree. We decide that this is the law. We actually call it black letter law. Like This is it. This is the law. And then emotions really don't have a place in there. So ensuring that emotions are something that we need to engage. And if you are dealing with people where there, there are emotions, take those emotions to heart. To say, I am feeling this, and you might be thrown off, you know? A man might be thrown off, well, your comment was totally unacceptable, and he have, might have no clue whatsoever. It's up to that guy to, to think about what their comment was, and that this is a learning opportunity for them. And that they don't necessarily have to rely on a woman to learn about it, but they can actually go out and learn by themselves. That they need to take that time to do that work. So you, you know, because you've done it, how to change the workplace, how to talk to men about a different vocabulary, a different experience. Teach us. Give us a taste of what you do. Well, I, I, I want to take a step back. I think when we talk about gender equity. We need to ensure that we are talking about all sorts of equities, right? We're talking about racial equity. We can't just have gender equity in a vacuum, right? Kimberly Crenshaw, intersectionality, so fundamentally important as to how we understand the workplace. There's a great article um, that the ABA came out with probably about three years ago about how gender equity in the workplace ends up being for white, straight, cisgendered women. We don't engage as we should, racialized women, indigenous women, uh, trans women, LGBTQ women, and, um, disabled, and disabled women. women. It's, it's fundamental to how we move that uh, pendulum forward. And unless we understand that gender does not operate in that vacuum and has that intersectional lens, and that, say, a woman of color deals with additional oppression, social oppressions, then we fail to take those steps forward. I'll give an example. So, you know, there's the, the, the with, with the Me Too movement, fantastic revolutionary things are happening. The idea of leaning in, speaking up for yourself. Something very simple within there is the idea that there's a sort of veiled stereotype with regard to racialized women about being the angry woman, being hot-headed. And speaking up for yourself doesn't necessarily mesh very well with that concept. And those are the types of things that we need to learn as a profession. And what I, what I would suggest is that if we are going to build this inclusive profession, and we're, we're doing it in a very, I've got to be blunt, in a very haphazard way. You know, the ABA as an organization, the ABA has got all sorts of issues going on. But from a diversity and inclusion perspective, they are eons beyond where we are in Canada as a profession. 
I've heard the response to that being, well, it's the US. They have a different history. What we fail to understand is that, listen, we only ended slavery 30 years before the US. We have all sorts of issues that we deal with from residential schools to social oppressions. And unless we're more honest about that conversation in Canada, we won't be able to move forward. You know, I, I, I think it's akin to our Canadian halo. We love, it's a pastime, it's like hockey. We love to hate those people that are south of the 49th parallel. And we love to hate them even more now. And so, <laughs> so what we do is we say, that's just them. Those horrible things happening down there, that's just them. They're happening here too. They're happening in our workplaces, in our law firms. And so the question is, is once we get build up that reality, where we understand that that is part and parcel of who we are, how do we make those changes going forward? And part of making those changes is really about self-education. The, the, the dilemma that I have with our profession is to some degree, we're a bunch of know-it-alls. We walk into a situation where we think that we are going to figure this out. You know, I, I litigated for 10 years. It was like triage law. I'd get the file three days before I was in front of an arbitrator and I'd figure it out. Sometimes for the best, sometimes not. Something like this is a long-term strategy. It's a marathon. You have to have very clear goals, very clear steps forward. There's a meme that I put out once. It was called, uh, you know, Happy Samosa Day. If it's about Happy Samosa Day, meaning we're going to celebrate your, your workplace culture and that's about it, that's not a strategy. Having a speaker come in every so often is not a strategy. It's that those very clear steps and ensuring that our leadership not just the diversity committee or the one person from the executive committee who's on the diversity committee, but the leadership of the firm, the people who might be still in the name are stewarding the diversity inclusion process going forward. If that doesn't happen, I have to be frank from my experience and from the research, we're tricking ourselves. And as a profession, we have the capacity to make those changes. Our clients are making those changes. In the corporate world, that movement is, is moving forward. We need to catch up. Part of being human is not actually wanting all of the time to look at what we're not doing well. And sometimes when you tell someone in an organization, you know, you're failing in this area, use different language, of course, uh, because that's a first step, but it's not what's going to change. You've come up with a way I love this word, concretize, to actually make visual what might be going on inside of a firm with respect to a lack of diversity. Can you just talk a little bit about that? So there's, there's this great saying about how diversity, and I wish I came up with it, but I absolutely <laughs> didn't, the, how diversity is just an ingredient in the recipe of inclusion. Inclusion, belonging, that's the goal that we want to have. We want to have engaged staff, engaged lawyers. It's easy, well, it's easier to measure diversity right? A little bit of a census, um, some self-identification, and we have numbers. We know where we're at. It's the inclusion part that's, that is difficult. And so what we've been working on over the last six years and what we've developed is a way to actually quantify inclusion. So you actually can go through a process where you have an inclusion metric. Now think about how powerful that would be in building a more inclusive law firm on who you hire. You have 15 fantastic articling students or potential articling students, but you want to build a more inclusive law firm. So you run them through a process, you get an inclusion score for them and you hire the top three. That to me makes a lot of sense. The other approach that we've been using over the last few years is the idea of understanding our intent, 
versus our impact. How many times have we heard in our workplace, I, I, I didn't intend that. That isn't what I meant, but it doesn't matter what you meant. The world judges us by our impact. And that gap between your intent and your impact can also be measured. So that what your intent is in your daily workplace activities, and how you engage with other people, how you engage in every relationship throughout your life, you bridge that gap between your intent and your actual impact. And you want to ensure that that gap is as small as possible. If we were, if you, and I don't want to put you on the spot, human beings also love lists and numbers. Top three, uh, not solving the, the problems of the world, but if we were to be empowered to leave this room, go back to our firms and our workplaces, just to get the conversation going about seeing diversity as a much bigger world, our world, what would you suggest we do? I think in, in some firms, it's, it's viewed as this nice fluffy, fluffy issue over here. It's nice to have, I guess. It's going to get us more clients. When we look at it from that perspective, you know, sky's the limit. If we're going to start the conversation, which I hope most of you are not in the situation where you're starting the conversation in your organization, is to basically ask, what's your diversity inclusion strategy, right? That puts people on the spot. You know, we do that, um, we've done that with, with corporations, like, well, I don't know. In, in professional services organizations, accounting firms, uh, law firms, insurance, it's quite a difficult thing to say to someone, we don't have one. That's not a priority for us. So if you don't have one and it's not a priority, really have that, step one is have that conversation with the managing partner. I don't think we're in a position now in the world, and correct me if I'm wrong, and I'm hoping this is the situation, where that if you go to the managing partner of your firm or the general counsel in your legal department and say, what's our diversity inclusion strategy, that it's the end of the road for you. I think there's going to be a response there, and I think organizations want to do something. But in the day-to-day -day busyness of it, they do nothing. So I think raising it as an issue. Having those conversations with, with experts. Building your own expertise. Doing those readings. So when they say, well, what would you suggest? You actually have an answer. You're in a position where you are empowered to support the process going forward. I'll give you an example. So Ryerson, the new law school, is just doing something brilliantly. I'm going to write about it in Canadian Lawyer Magazine. They want to build more inclusive lawyers as they go through the process of law school. So if we're actually going to change the profession, you do it from the groundswell. You actually build more inclusive lawyers coming into the profession. Because you've got to remember, it's all about culture. Your workplace is a culture. The OBA is a culture. Society is a culture. How do we make those cultural changes? In the legal profession, it's difficult, to say the least. You have law students that come into a profession but it's a bunker of a culture, and that bunker is concrete. And then there's the firm culture, another layer of concrete. How does a law student have the skills and ability to make those changes? Well, Ryerson is trying to do exactly that, to provide them the skills so when they show up, first-year associate, first-year articling student, so they have the skills to say, well, what's a diversity inclusion strategy? Here's, here's a potential better way, because I actually learned about it in law school. I think as a profession, because we have a tendency to be know-it-alls, is that we also place people in positions who do diversity and inclusion work who might not have a background in it. I know that for some firms, they put a lot of energy and effort into hiring the person who actually has that background. But you don't only want someone who has passion. If I said to you, listen, you want to build a new house? Listen, I've watched a lot of YouTube videos. I'm ready to do it. I'm passionate about hammers and nails. 
We really need to have those skill sets and we need to strategize on how to do that. We don't, as a profession, we would never say, oh, yeah, you, the cross-border mergers and acquisitions articling student, go, I'm sure you'll be fine. You really want to learn about it? So why would we do that around something so important as inclusion? Brilliant. Thank you. Clap again. Each interview in this series is eligible for EDI hours. Simply complete the verification form on our website at oba.org forward slash momentum. Or you can collect a full five hours of EDI accreditation by watching the full day program from the OBA's Momentum Summit. It's available for purchase at oba.org forward slash CPD. View the description of this podcast for further details on how to document your EDI hours. Everyone benefits from gender equality, and everyone has a role to play in advancing gender equality. Let's keep the momentum going.